If you're not changing your mind on something, you're not growing and evolving. Great business owners and great leaders don't look at it as being wrong or right, but they find themselves their evolution as being less wrong. I'm Michael Mogul, founder and CEO of Crisp, the nation's number one law firm growth company. I've built my business through practice, not theory. Crisp started with just $500 to my name and has grown to over eight figures in revenue over the last few years, earning a spot on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies in America. Our approach has been to take everything we've learned about generating massive growth within our own organization and help the country's most ambitious and committed law firm owners do the same for theirs. In each episode of this podcast, I sit down with innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond to learn from those who thrive in the face of adversity, challenge the status quo, and define what it means to be a true game changer. This is Jessica, head of coaching strategy at Crisp, and today we're flipping the script for another special edition episode to get Michael's take on the most disciplined approaches to setting and achieving your goals, how to unite with your advocates and shed your anchors, and why motivation simply cannot be taught. If you are in the inspiring motivation business, meaning that that is what you do, the problem is that you're going to be spinning your wheels. Nowadays, my approach to our team was that I don't want to motivate anyone. If I have to motivate you to do the thing that you're supposed to do, then we are not on the same page. That's coming up on the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. And we're back. We're another back. AMMA. Back for another one. Jessica, I'm excited to be here. I look forward to these AMMAs. You know, and in fact, feedback that we're getting is that people actually enjoy them. I don't know if they're just being nice and they tell us that in person. I'll tell you, at workshops, people physically come up to tell me, like, please don't stop the AMMAs. I've heard it in person. I've heard it other places. They love it. They want to hear what you got to say. Well, as long as people continue to enjoy them and they keep listening, we'll continue to do them. So for those of you that are tuning in, to these AMMAs, Ask Michael Mogul Anything. You guys submit the questions. We provide the answers, opinions, insights. I don't know. But if you have a question and you'd like for us to answer it on the podcast, you can send us a text at 404-531-7691. And if it's a good enough question or even a bad enough question, we may answer it on this podcast. Okay. Now, if you're tuning in, a couple episodes we do here. Three types of episodes. Okay. We got the AMMAs. You're listening to it right now. Okay. Then we also have our traditional podcast episodes. We bring in a guest. Legal Industry and Beyond, best-selling author, athlete, great trial lawyer, billionaire, millionaire, I don't know, could be anyone, right? We brought in all sorts of people across a wide variety of backgrounds, et cetera, people you may agree with and people you may disagree with. That's our standard podcast format. And then our Encore Editions, the most popular podcast episodes, these things have gotten hundreds of thousands of downloads, which for a little podcast like ours is pretty nice. Hundreds of episodes and you all keep listening. So this is you know incredibly humbling. We're incredibly grateful. That being said, we do have an ask. If you enjoy an episode of this podcast, including this episode, all that we ask is that you leave a five-star review, either on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Share the podcast. It helps us reach more people and keep the podcast ad free. It's becoming tempting as the podcast is more popular. People reaching out, you know, underwear lines, greens, powder, etc. They all want to sponsor the podcast. And we keep saying, nope. We will not take your money because we want to be able to say whatever the hell we want. And we want our guests to be able to say whatever the hell they want. And as soon as we start paying you money, I'm going to get a phone call or an email saying, oh, I didn't like that or take that episode down. And guess what? You don't dictate our formatting. So we can keep the podcast free 
if you share the show and you leave a five-star review. And with that, Jessica, let's do it. All right, let's do it. So we are going to keep on this train about goals and the team and everything of just like, how do you keep that momentum going? So first question today, my firm had its best year yet in 2023. That said, it was probably the hardest year at the firm. I want to achieve even more in 2024, but I'm worried that I'll set myself and my team up for a lot of headaches. So how do you balance setting bigger goals with the realities of the amount of effort that will go into achieving them? It's a great question. You know, in my early days, I'd hear a question like this and I'd say, man up or woman up, you know, and of course, you should always set things that are bigger and aspirational and larger targets, et cetera. But as I've matured in the maturation process, I've learned that simply setting a bigger number every single year, I mean, what's the point, right? I mean, initially, yes, it's, I'm sure it's nice to just say, hey, we did, you know, 5 million one year. Okay, we're going to do 10 million next year. And then, you know, 10 million, go make 20. And then, you know, 20, you did 50. And then 50, you're going to do 100. And then eventually you go to a billion and you just keep setting bigger numbers just because. But that is not, let's say, an educated or disciplined way of setting targets because whenever you set a goal, that's going to impact a whole lot of people. And not just you, but your entire organization and your family and their families and all sorts of human beings. You got to set goals responsibly. Okay. So it really comes down to when you are setting a target, and I'm not saying setting small goals. Absolutely not. Because if you're not excited, you can even do worse. Okay. You set a goal and you're not excited about, game over, right? You're not going to care. Your team's not going to care. And guess what? Even though it may have seemed like a less ambitious, more achievable goal, because nobody gives a shit, the firm's probably going to do worse overall. And you're probably not going to achieve that goal either. But it really comes down to making sure that when you're setting these goals, that the juice is worth the squeeze basically determining, hey, is this worthwhile? And what does achieving this goal enable us to do? So we talk a lot about transformational goals, like there's regular goals of like, okay, you, you know, you set a target, let's say a revenue number, and then you have a transformational goal where by achieving it, you're now able to do things that you previously weren't able to do. So meaning that let's say you set a revenue target that allows you to expand your firm and lets you hire great trial lawyers or a chief operating officer or expand the infrastructure of a firm and open a new location, expand your marketing budget, et cetera. Like there's an actual reason for these things that it enables you to do things you previously couldn't do. Now that's exciting. Maybe achieving these goals allows you to roll out new benefits for your team. Maybe it allows you to create new career paths for your organization where you know people are able to grow personally and professionally. Wow, that would be worthwhile. Okay. Maybe it allows people to not just grow financially, but it would allow them to pay down loans and buy homes and start families. Okay. Maybe it allows you to impact 10 times the amount of people in your community. Okay. Now that, now we're talking, now that's worth it. But if you're just doing something and there's not a, a good enough reason behind it outside of, you know, the number being bigger, well, then I would reevaluate that because putting people under stress just for the sake of putting them under stress is usually not a good enough reason. If you're going to stress people, you got to make it worth it for them and it's got to be worth it for you. So that's where, okay, we're going to set this really ambitious goal because, you know, when you're presenting this to your team, you can connect the dots of kind of working backwards of saying, well, when we achieve this, now we're able to roll out this new 401k match plan. We're able to roll out new company bonus plan. Now we're able to do new career paths. We're able to expand our office. We're able to invest in this new infrastructure. We're able to expand our marketing budget. We're going to be able to do multiple locations. We're going to build out this trial team. Okay, now we're talking. Now the impact that we make is going to be much greater. That becomes a lot more exciting. But if you're saying, hey, we're just going to do a bigger number, good luck. In their minds, in your team's eyes, they're just going to associate the bigger goals with more work and working harder and working longer. And then, you know, they're going to be hitting indeed saying, no, thanks. Right. I'm not up for this because I worked my ass off last year. And if you tell me we're going to get a bigger goal and there's not really a reason behind it, why would I just work harder? So you have to make sure that there's a purpose there, you know, behind this vision that you set. And then from there, then you got to execute like crazy. But this is, again, a very disciplined way of approaching goal setting because you really have to think about who do these decisions impact. And coming back to the fact this is juice worth the squeeze is the upside 
worthwhile enough to weather the downside, in which case sometimes it's working harder. But a lot of times it's not just, you know, you can set a bigger target. It doesn't mean anyone's going to be working harder. It just means we have to approach it differently. Maybe you're going to have to be able to hire certain people that are going to be able to bring new capabilities into the firm that enable you to do things you previously weren't able to do. Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean that anybody's going to be working more hours. We're just going to have to change our approach. We have to restructure our firm. We have to approach things in a new way. So that's also, you know, a very, very important thing. And then you have to reevaluate, you know, how does it impact you, your family? I think sometimes people get caught in this trap, a lot of successful people, where they feel like they're doing things initially when they're starting a business because they're doing it to support their family, right? And I'm working these hard hours and these late hours and I'm working weekends and whatever because I'm trying to build something and I want to support my family. And then once they've gotten to the point where they've made some money and their family's supported, they're still doing that and they're still telling themselves that same bullshit. And they just don't know how to get out of that cycle, that spinning mouse wheel, okay? Rat, Rat race. Rat race, right? They don't know how to stop and reevaluate and say, look, I did everything I set, you know, I set out to achieve. Maybe my kids want to know who I am, but no, I'm just going to keep working hard because I'm doing this for them, right? Maybe what they want is your time. It's important to make sure that you are, and I don't like to use the word balance, but you are making sure that you're doing things in alignment with everything around you and what your goals are, what your values are, et cetera, okay? That you're not just blindly setting bigger targets for the sake of setting bigger targets because you're just going to get caught up in this because once you commit, you set that bigger goal, boom, you know, sometimes you almost go into like autopilot and start working hard and doing the thing you're already familiar with. Sometimes it takes a lot of courage to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to pivot a little bit and say, you know, maybe we're going to approach this year a little bit differently and we still want to grow because we, you know, we experienced this ourselves a couple of years ago. I was like, look, growth is never going to stop because if we stop growing, it's just going to be the start of the decline. However, that being said, I don't want to keep working 80 to hundred hours a week, every week for the rest of my life. Okay. What's the point of working so hard? Like, isn't the goal of entrepreneurship to be able to create a degree of, of freedom where you can choose how you spend your time and how you spend your time and the things you're going to do? I mean, isn't that the exact point of making all this sacrifice and dedicating yourself to this till you can get to a point where you can now have more control over how you spend your time and what you do? So maybe you want to, you know, not sleep in a little bit, but exercise a little bit more, get healthy, spend some time with your kids, go on some trips and vacations, but you still want your business to grow. So that means... You have to find a way to be able to scale that organization and hire great people to help ensure that it's not just solely reliant on you. And we've got a whole coaching program dedicated to that. So I'm not going to belabor the point. But the whole point is, is that you want to create the type of organization that is not reliant upon you. And that will allow you to have the freedom to do the things you want to do. But you need to be working towards that because if everything's relying on you, you're never going to be able to break free. We were you know? there. 100%. Yeah, we were both Seven there. Seven days a week. Yep. 24-7, 365. It's funny because I know sometimes people are like, okay, we're going to grow. And they're already working 80 hours a week. And they're like, you know what we need next year? We need more leads. Okay. And I'm like, dude, you're working 80 hours a week. You think you need to be answering more calls? Because it's you right now answering the calls. And it's you processing the cases. And like, you're the one who's doing all this shit. So you're going to go from what, 80 hours a week to 90 hours a week? You know, that cool Mercedes Benz you bought, it chills in the parking lot of your office. You don't even get to enjoy it. You don't even get to take vacations. And when you do take vacations, you bring your laptop with you. So what's the point? Well, I never thought about it that way. Nah, actually, you're stuck, right? So make sure you reevaluate and make sure when you're setting these types of goals and targets, like the gentleman or lady who was asking this question, that you really think about what impact is it going to make on me, my family, my team, their families, the people around us, our clients, et cetera. And if it's a goal that's worthwhile enough, well, then of course you can do it. But don't just blindly set a bigger number for the sake of setting a bigger number. Could not agree more still on this about goals. So goal setting often involves self-reflection, something I think a lot of people need to work on. How can leaders assess their strengths and weakness to set goals? Yeah, well, you know, so we do this every year. We always reflect on the year and I ask myself all sorts of questions. I have this journal and 
constantly reflecting on the year in terms of what types of activities energize me, what types of things that I really enjoyed doing that created energy for me. On the converse, what types of activities drained me, who were the advocates in my life, my supporters, the real ones, who were my anchors, the detractors, the haters. The sinking anchors, not yeah. like stabilization anchors. No, not like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like anchors like the sink to the bottom, yeah. right? Like the ankle weights, right? So who were they? You ask yourself these types of questions, the things that energize you do more of, the things that drained you, find a way to delegate that stuff so it's somebody else doing it. It's like, again, we've said this on a previous podcast, some things just need to get done, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you have to be the one doing everything. And yes, you can say, oh, that's a privilege, Mike, you, don't, you know, you can only do the things you enjoy, it must be nice. Yeah, but it wasn't always that way, okay? 10 plus years, but the point is, is that what are you working towards? You want to create, I mean, you're not going to want to retire from anything if you're doing things constantly that just energize you. And all the things that you don't enjoy that drain you, somebody else does. And turns out that usually the person who's doing the things that drain you, energize them. Especially you can find that pairing, like creating processes. Not a thing for me, but our operations team loves creating processes. So that's an, an example. When it comes to the advocates, like you want to invest more time with those people. You know, they're your supporters. They believe in you. They help you. Anchors. Woo! These are the ones that tell you to take it easy. They tell you, hey, it's either your business or me. They give you these crazy ultimatums. You know, by the way, if you ever get that ultimatum, goodbye, you know, cut them out. And you're like, but what, it was my wife who told me that. Hey, it's never too late to start over. But my point is- This is not marriage is that, advice. <laughs> no, look, whatever. I'm, look, I'm being honest. Like someone gave me an ultimatum like that. And let's say I took it and I said, you know what, baby, I'm going to be with you. Forsake my dreams. And I'm going to be resentful for the rest of our life. Because you made me give up on the things that I loved, but now I can do what you want. Sometimes, you know, they'll tell you, well, what do you want? I want you to be home more. Mm, okay, I'll work from home. Like, no, that's not what I want. I want to spend more time with you. Okay, well, how much time are we talking, right? So it's important to make sure that you align with the advocates and you find a way to be able to reduce time with the anchors just because this stuff is hard enough as it is, right? Growing a great organization is, is challenging enough, okay? If you're having the, you know, wage war Personally, professionally, oftentimes you've got professional anchors, these haters, these critics, you know, and they sit in their back rooms just hoping that, ooh, it's only a matter of time. I hope he fails. Ah, I can't wait. This year they're going to be ruined. This year is going to be their downfall, right? They're like betting on you. There's like Vegas odds for businesses, right? If you're like, I'm going to bet on this. I'm going to short his stock, okay? Then, you know, you get into more thoughtful discussions around things like, well, what did I change my mind on this year? If you're not changing your mind on something, Okay, you're not growing and evolving. You know, great business owners and great leaders don't look at it as being wrong or right, but they find themselves, their evolution as being less wrong, right? Evolving and being, well, I was less wrong this year than I was last year. Because look, we're all making this stuff up as we go, all of us. So if you believe in clear right and wrong, like there's some playbook that everybody can follow and achieve this amazing outcome, well, you've never run a business, you've never worked with people because it's not that simple. So the goal is, what did I change my mind on? What's a perspective shift that I had? What's a mindset shift that I had? What is something that I believe strongly, right? There's like an expression of like, well, I'm not tied to all my beliefs, just the ones I strongly believe in, right? And that's why it's very difficult for people to change their minds because why does anyone hold any belief that they hold, right? It's because they, whatever the information they consume from whatever source that they consume, it's like, well, that's what I'm seeing. That's what the algorithm is showing me. These are the conversations that I'm having and this has shaped my reality, whether it's true or untrue, but this is why I believe what I believe. Not because I came to that decision myself, but because this is the information that I've been consuming. So to break out of that is not easy to do and it requires being able to consider new perspectives and be able to say, I was wrong and I've changed my perspective. And if you're doing that, now you're evolving as a leader. And then it's also, as you're reflecting on all this, the goal is to get less wrong and essentially to shed the 
old lining and evolve into the greater version of you every single time. So when you're setting new goals for, let's say, the upcoming year, you think about, okay, here are the things that we want to achieve as an organization. Here's what I want to achieve personally. Here's what I want to achieve my relationships, et cetera, financially. You look at all that, but then you think, what kind of human being do I need to become? Or what kind of person do I need to be at the end of that year that has achieved these sort of things? Because we always, always, 100% of the time, get what we deserve. 100% of the time. And there's always a price to be paid. Some people don't realize they're even paying it. They think the price to be paid is working hard and like staying committed to their goals and working late nights and working weekends. They think that's the price to be paid. The price most people pay is not doing those things and saying, you know what? I'm in my 20s. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to relax. And then they get into their 30s and they say, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to relax. And then by the time they get to their 40s, they're so stuck in their miserable existence, they cannot even break out. And that is now the price that they are paying because now they are stuck for the rest of their life. So you either pay the price of hard now or way harder later. Choose your hard. 100%. So it's important to reflect for those reasons to make sure that you're not operating on autopilot and that you're able to course correct and ultimately look at the progress that you're making. There should be progress. You're saying, well, you know, you should be embarrassed, you know, to some degree if, you know, if the person you were a year ago saying, what did I say? What was I doing? You know, you look back, it's like listening to, you know, voicemails of yourself. It should be a little embarrassing if you're growing. Okay. And, and you can correlate growth with progress. And it's again, not always like business growth or growth as a leader. It's growing, you know, personally, it's evolving as a human being. It's being open to change and open to new ideas and open to new perspectives. Sounds easy. It's not. So just making sure that you are paying the price in your evolution. And that's where that reflection is important to me because, you know, there's some people that hit a, a level of success, whatever that is to them. If you think back to when you started your organization in the early days and versus where you are today, Back then, that person may have been thrilled with where you're at now. But NB in comparison, this is a very, very difficult game that we play in. So because now you've hit the level that you're at, there's always somebody doing better. Now you're saying, well, I'm not doing as well as I could be because there's somebody already ahead of me. So it's making sure that you are moving in the way that makes sense for you. Okay, and that you're evolving and growing in the way that is aligned with what it is that you want to do. That's why reflection is important. And when you fail to reflect, game over. You're just going to wonder why every year ends, you know, ends the same. Yeah. Right? And then after the reflection comes the actual planning for the future. And planning for the future, if you fail to do that, well, your future is whatever it is that you're doing right now. You're reactive. Yeah. Exactly. Things don't just magically get better. No, they don't. Setting goals is one thing, but maintaining motivation is another. What techniques do you use to stay motivated and keep your team inspired through the year? Ooh. The team. Wrong question. But there's going to be a strong finish. Buckle up. Because they use the M word. Okay. So here's the thing about motivation. I used to have this belief in my early days as a leader that all I needed to do was motivate the people around me and they would do better. Okay. And when I saw somebody that was struggling, I wanted to rehabilitate them and help them. Right. Let's say it was like a C player, but I believe because I would look at it as the personal failure on my part, that if I could not help somebody succeed, I wanted everybody to succeed. I wanted everybody in my team to be successful 100% of the time. And when they weren't, it crushed me. I thought, maybe I'm not motivating enough. How do I inspire them? And I you know, see these great inspirational keynote speakers, and I think, man, they got it figured out, right? But as I reflect on that now, I can tell you with 100% certainty that motivation is bullshit. If you are in the inspiring motivation business, meaning that that is what you do, the problem is that you're going to be spinning your wheels, okay? Nowadays, my approach to our team when we work with people is that I don't want to motivate anyone. If I have to motivate you to do the thing that you're supposed to do, then 
we are not on the same page. In fact, this is probably not the best place for you. Maybe it's some other place watching YouTube videos. Now, I'm willing to help elevate people. If you got people that come in and they're driven, you know, and they've got humility and they say, where can I do better? Where can I improve? Of course, you want to elevate and invest in those people. But if you got someone who's just not motivated, they come in today and say, you know, today I'm not motivated. I think me doing 20% of my, of my effort is going to be 100%. That bullshit, right? Get out of here with that nonsense. True story. Okay? It's going to be too slow because you're thinking, all I need to do is inspire them. Well, the reality of it is, is that that's working with amateurs. Believe it or not, there are human beings out there, professionals, that don't need this motivation because they have the right discipline, the right habits in place that they want to be elevated. And if I have to motivate someone, I'm not interested. If I'm willing to invest in someone to elevate them, a motivated person already, if they're already hungry, this is the most important thing. Like I know John Morgan wrote a great book, You Can't Teach Hungry. I argued it with him on our first episode of the podcast. He was right. I was wrong. Okay, I said, John, but what about free will or whatever? He's like, nope, there's these types of human beings, lions and sloths, right? And the sloths are born sloths and they will always be sloths, okay? And the lions are born lions. And the idea is if you really want to grow your business, I know this might not sound politically correct when I say this, is that the reality of it is, is that you can work with the people that are already motivated and you can elevate them. And those that are not motivated, struggle with motivation, some days they feel like it, some days they don't, save them for somebody else. Let them go work at your competitors' firms, okay? Because then they can struggle to motivate them, okay? Because if somebody comes in and says, I don't know if I really want to do what I'm supposed to do today. Okay, well, do you have the option of not paying them on days that they don't want to work? Okay, or they want to give a half-hearted effort. Can I pay you for like half for the half-hearted effort? So instead, and I know, look, as soon as we put this on TikTok, someone's going to be like, man, I would never work for him. Okay, exactly. We would never want you to work here. Absolutely not. Okay, like I'm 100% at peace with that. The reality of it is, is that you want people coming in driven, intrinsically driven, right out of the gate, and you can focus on elevating them and investing them, that they don't have to be convinced to do the work that they're supposed to be doing. Now, this is different from setting vision. This is different from aligning purpose and values. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who does not want to work and you believing that you can do some sort of presentation or some sort of YouTube video or something to get them inspired and then that'll somehow stay inspired. They may get inspired for about five minutes until they revert to their old behaviors. And maybe they're just not at a place yet where they care. Maybe in their mind, they're thinking, hmm, what's for lunch? Or where am I going to go this weekend? Or like, you know, who's in this dating app or whatever. The head's not in the game. And if you want to grow your organization, you can't waste time with that nonsense. You're like, well, Mike, but what about, you know, that's the majority of people. Exactly. You're trying to be elite. You want to be like the majority of organizations. You want to be average. You want to be like in the motivation business. Hey, let me motivate you. If I sit down and I inspire you, you're going to go out and do amazing work. I used to think that. I really did. And then I realized, you know what? You want to bring professionals in that are already intrinsically driven, that instead of me sitting down and spending time inspiring you, talking about the things you should be doing, we instead focus on, well, how do I invest in you? How do I help you grow? How do I offer you the right type of feedback? They're coachable individuals. Like these people can be elevated, right? So I'm not interested in the motivation. It's more so focused on elevating the already motivated. So that's why I would approach it that way. And this is an area that I've definitely changed my mind on over the years. And if I had to go back, I would tell younger Michael, younger leader Michael, hey man, stop wasting your time with that motivation nonsense. If you got to motivate people, you got the wrong people. Yep. All right. And I think that's the best closer we could have to this one. That's right. All right, guys, go leave a five-star review. See ya. Thank you. You've been listening to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast with Michael Mogul. If you found this episode valuable, here are three free ways that we can help you grow your law firm. 
Number one, download the first chapter of Michael's book absolutely free at GameChangingAttorney.com. Number two, you can shoot Michael a text at 404-531-7691 and ask him any question you'd like. You might just hear the answer on the next episode. And finally, number three, if you can leave this podcast a five-star review, it will help us gain access to more influential thought leaders and bring their lessons learned here to you. For more information on this episode, see the show notes in your podcast app or visit LegalPodcast.com. 